What's up, everyone? This is Adam Mades from DNVR, excited to talk to you about American financing. Everyday bills are high, and everything is still very expensive, which is why, if you own a home, I want you to call our friends at American Financing. Interest rates are lower than they've been in a long time. They're saving their customers, on average, $854 a month by tapping into their home's equity and wiping out high-interest credit card debt. Their salary-based mortgage consultants are in it for you. Their job is to save you money. Call American Financing and tell them DNVR sent you today, and you may be able to delay two mortgage payments. That's 303-695-7000, 303-695-7000, or go to AmericanFinancing.net slash DNVR. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. Welcome into the DMVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Yes. I'm Henry Chisholm. We've got uh, we've got three yes. of the four today, but no offense to Justin. We got the top guy, and so we got to call it a win. Wow. Uh, Dre is back. <laughs> Dre has thoughts. Uh, when we talk about the, the guys in the trenches, Dre always just pops out of nowhere and shows up. Um, oh how's it going, Dre? I'm I'm blushing. I'm truly honored. Uh, <laughs> that's not a slight to Justin. It's just a very over the top compliment to me. <laughs> and if it is a slight to Justin, it's merely a slight from Henry, who likes to keep this friendly CU CSU thing going. Um, it's important to do when they don't play each other. Yeah, you're right. If I get to talk <laughs> about junk in the trunk, and uh, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, the balance of a big guy and how smooth he looks. I get to watch some guys pull block. Yeah, I'm in. I'm not missing this. It doesn't matter that it's a Sunday. Um, nothing matters. It doesn't matter that my daughter was just unsupervised, broke out outside because the cat's going crazy because it's spring. He She opened the door, checking it out. He took off on her and you know, I was showering before Kate's cleaning up around the house. Uh, so, you know, none of that matters. I'm ready to talk about guys who, who are filling their pants, pull blocks, good mm-hmm. anchors, um, guys who will lean on you. I'm ready for it all, Henry. And Jake. Hi, Jake. How are you? I hey, what's you. up? What's up? I, I was going to do that Drake. part, too. But whatever. <laughs> Drake can just run everything. That's what he does here. I'll say hi oh, to you too, already Henry. eating a banana. Oh, that, yeah. What was that? That's like uh, 90 seconds. I think I think the the under probably hit. Right. Absolutely right. cash right there. Presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, we should mm-hmm. mention where you can also find lines like that. You can't, unfortunately, but you can find other draft props. I've gotten to the point of checking those almost daily now. That banana is still in your mouth through all of that. That's incredible. <laughs> all right. We've got a bunch of stuff we got to get through. We got to get through the interior offensive linemen, interior defensive linemen. 
But also, we got to start with some news. And the big news is Todd McShay dropped a new mock draft. 64 picks. We get to go see what he has for the Broncos, which is going to be a bunch of fun. But but before we get to the Broncos pick, uh, Jake, what really stands out to you about the first round? Yeah, so a couple things off the top. Um, two quarterbacks pretty high. You have Kenny Pickett going six to the Carolina Panthers. Yep. Uh, Malik Willis at 20, the Pittsburgh Steelers, no trades. And then um, it's just the story of this class, really. The top half of the first round, uh, eight of the first 16 picks are either tackle or edge. So mm-hmm. it's just showing something that we've known all along that the strength of this class is at those positions. Uh, you got some wide receivers in there, too. Um, but yeah, that's about uh, what we've been saying for I don't know, six months, six-plus months. Yeah, it felt like almost a kind of a ho-hum mock. And then you've got some little surprises there. Um, I, geez, like with how this process has unfolded, how is Trayvon Walker at two overall any crazier than Malik Willis at two overall? I just, I don't understand that. To me, Trayvon Walker should be like a borderline first round pick. Like, I just, I, mean, I get, like, he's a big edge. He's, he has, like, the size and strength. And you look at him, and you're just like, oh, wow, what a, what, a, what a great football player. But also, he's one of the oldest guys in the draft, and he's coming off a six-sack season after having one sack in his career before that. Like, if you're looking for a number two edge prospect, you would expect to find somebody who has a little bit more production than that, um, especially, I guess, I guess he's younger than I thought. He is only 21. But, but still, I mean, I just... I'm not uh, I'm not in love with uh, with the idea of Trayvon Walker being a top three pick in front of Kayvon Thibodeau. Someone who didn't start starting the season. He was uh, a backup, essentially. And then um, he's just one of those guys that he's going to look the part. And once these scouts see him, you know, at the combine pro day, stuff like that, and yeah. you see the numbers, he's just going to fly up. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Two is pretty rich for me, especially uh, with someone like Kayvon Thibodeau there. But I don't know, man. The NFL is weird. I just don't yeah. understand. I mean, he can do anything. You are, you know, you're dreaming on guys. And that's where balancing the potential of a prospect versus what might be more realistic expectations um, can get a little tricky with a guy like that. It is crazy to me how some of these interior dudes are getting moved down. And obviously we have the entire show to talk about this, Mm -hmm. but I still remain somewhat shocked to see how low guys like Jordan Davis, but Mm -hmm. especially Devontae Wyatt be mocked. Um, Wyatt in the thirties, right? In this one. And uh, 27 to the bucks. Yeah. So piggybacking off of what Henry's saying about Trevon Walker put the Georgia tape on and explain to me how he's the second overall pick and why it's the 27th or Jordan Davis is the 17th. Mm -hmm. Again, this isn't exactly how the draft works, right? Which maybe it should work a little more like this and we wouldn't have as many uh, stupid picks where we're overthinking things. But I mean, per their size, Wyatt Davis, just as freakish athletes, if not more than Walker, And again, you put on the tape, those are the dominant guys who are completely wrecking game plans at Georgia. It's not Wyatt or it's not Walker who has those nice flashes, but we're really more 
dreaming on a ball of clay and a guy who really his best trait is what he does in pursuit. You know, that's where people drool over Walker's mm -hmm. traits is like, oh my God, he's 270 and watch him in pursuit. He's running down, you know, all SEC talents at running back. Yeah, that's awesome. It feels very Deion Jordan-y, um, which fits right into the 2013 comps that we get all the time with this draft class. Um, second round notes for you, fellas? Um, yeah, a few. Uh, my guy Sky Moore at 36, the New York Giants, who uh, I think he had been taking uh, a tackle. Uh, yeah, they had him taking Ikemaquanu at five overall. That's a nice haul, I think. Uh, Matt Corral at 40 to the Seahawks. Um, and then I believe there was another quarterback, uh, Trey McBride at 53 to the Packers. Um, yeah, running backs. He, he has Brees Hall not uh, going until uh, late in the draft, actually. Uh, I think it was to the Chiefs. Uh, I can't find the pick right now, but he's way back, way down there. I was surprised by that. I'm very, I'm getting more and more bullish that we'll see Brees Hall sneak into the first round and like two backs in the top 50. Um, and again, we got to remind, remember those guys ran four threes and were legitimate stars in college football. I mean, Kenneth Walker was, he didn't end up being a finalist, right? At, for the Heisman, but he was a very much in the conversation. It's just Michigan state. Um, couldn't quite get over the hump in the Big Ten at the end of the season. Brees Hall, I mean, geez, you'd, you'd be hard-pressed hard to find a more um, star-studded career than that in a Power 5 conference, and then he just blew up the combine. If the Seahawks will never pull off this draft, um, but if they were to come away with Evan Neal, Matt Corral, and Logan Hall, that would be an incredible, incredible haul, especially having Neal drop to you at nine. Um, I'd still rather Russell Wilson, but th those are <laughs> picks that make you think. Um, and it's uh, it feels very much like the Drew Locke, Dalton Reisner, Noah Fant draft for the Broncos. Looks good on paper, yeah. and we got to see if it is an actuality. And so much of it will come down to the quarterback actually hitting. Um, the Broncos. Let's just jump to that real quick. While we circle, we can always circle back on any other notes. Um, like Daniel Falele at 64. I think that is probably my nightmare scenario this year. Uh, once in a while, my nightmare scenario does come does come true. Um, Demarcus Walker being the greatest example of this. Um, but yeah, Falele, I, I just 6'8", 384 in Nathaniel Hackett's scheme. Exactly. I, I pray that's not possible, but... Um, we, we talked about it in the tackle episode. I just don't see how he's a full-time starter in the NFL. Or, and specifically with the Broncos. Like, right. like you want in somebody who's scheme, mobile. Yes, yes. Like, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, that, and that's why I haven't even really considered it. Like, he's just one of those guys that just, like, doesn't work with the Broncos. So it doesn't even come up. So to see him in the mock was surprising to me for sure. I guess but the argument I, I, would be, as a cut blocker, that's a lot of real estate to uh, have available to you to cut someone. But, um, yeah, I'm being facetious here. Yeah, it's ridiculous. To me, it kind of feels like McShay took on this uh, two-round mock and he just got to the last pick at 64 and just, oh, Broncos tackle, just threw it, whoever the next guy was there. Because, yeah, I don't think there was a lot of thought put into it. Um, 
you can go back to the tackle episode. We already talked about Philele. Uh, actually, we didn't talk about Philele much because I don't think either of us really liked him too much. Yep. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. It'd be a nightmare scenario, really. I just think there's better uses of the pick. Would he even start right away? I mean, you signed all these guys at tackle. Uh, I just don't see him breaking the lineup. Mm-hmm. And, and the, yeah. like, there's a chance that it all pans out for him and he's just an absolute freak. But it, it just doesn't right. make sense to the Broncos for me. Another pick, though, 38. The Jets taking Quay Walker. You know, that seemed high to me, but if, if he's being mocked there, I'd be more than willing to have the conversation about him going at 64. I and mean, just just a very mobile linebacker, more probably maybe even more of a run defender than a pass defender at this point, but has all the tools like 6'4, 240. I wonder if that might be one of those Georgia guys who potentially NFL teams look at and say, like, maybe he was more of the key to what's going on here than than you know what's happening up front. Yeah, and two, yeah, a couple of another guy who I don't think went in this mock who could be available there. I think you look at the 10 picks before the Broncos, there's a lot of dudes who really look nice. Yep. And we got to remember the Broncos have a lot of picks after the second to allow them to maneuver mm-hmm. around. Go ahead, so it. many yep. though. Like just, just to read <laughs> off some of these names since people can't see. I mean, you've got John Mechie in there. You've got Brees Hall, David Ajabo, Jaquan Brisker, Trey McBride, Nick Benito, Bernard Ryman. Kenneth Walker, like you guys mentioned, Drake Jackson, Greg Dulcich. Like there's a lot of, of really, really good players there. And on any of those would be a lot more fun than Daniel Falele. Yeah, exactly what you guys said. I mean, there's guys, these 10, 15 picks before 64 that uh, kind of heartbreaking that they go, if this is the scenario that mm-hmm. they go in this area, uh, McBride, Elam, uh, Ryman even I'd be on board with. Uh, Drake Jackson's there. Abraham Lucas goes two picks before the Broncos to the Chargers. Um, so yeah, it'd be. I don't know what would Denver really do in this scenario because I don't. I don't really see them kind of just settling and going. Uh, Daniel Falele at sixty four just to kind of make a pick. Um, that just doesn't seem very George Payton of the Broncos. Yeah, not at all. And I mean, they've been talking to a lot of offensive interior offensive linemen. In interviews, I wouldn't be surprised to see them go in that direction, you know, to see um, who drops there. I wouldn't be surprised to see them go corner. It seems like there weren't a ton of corners going in this mock, which some somewhat surprised me. Like, you know, even Roger McCreary dropping to uh, the late 40s seemed like a really good value pick. Um, and, you know, I think some of the other tackles available, like, Abraham Lucas goes just a couple picks before Leo Chanel, the pick right ahead, which by the way, if Cincinnati drafts another linebacker. I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. um, but but um, so I think there's definitely some neat areas that you can uh, plug up right around that point. I will say circling back to the earlier part of the mock, I was very, um, on board with like Garrett Wilson going third overall or fourth overall to the Jets. I've said all along, all this O-lineman talk to the Jets just seems a little far-fetched considering the kind of premium picks they've made on Elijah Bear Tucker and Mekhi Becton the last two years. Um, so they get Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. We'll get into Derek Stingley and his pro day. I think his line at DraftKings has moved from going over under 13 and a half to over under 10 and a half. So there's already movement there. That's definitely a guy that probably has repaired his stock enough. Um, And, you know, you have two wide receivers going in the top 10. 
Kyle Hamilton seventh overall. So his over under has been set at eight and a half um, goes just under. Those are kind of the things that stood out to me more. And Charles Cross dropping a 13. Mm, I don't believe it, but Thibodeau cross for the Texans. Boy, that'd be a haul. It's wild to see Charles cross. Like what is this? Three picks in front of Trevor Penning. Like that's that's the like context where it's like Trevor Penning is good, but just the difference in those two prospects seems like they're huge, you know, like a developmental guy versus somebody who should just be a plug and play. Uh, yeah, I agree. Charles Cross should be top ten. And not to get too off topic, but the Saints with that big trade up earlier um, has them taking Trevor Penning and Jordan Davis, which I don't know, man. If you're gonna trade up and you select a project tackle and an interior defensive lineman, that's a uh, and that's not really a position uh, value at its best there. Yeah, and not exactly what you need either. I mean, how many first-rounders are on that O-line? I get that um, Trevon Armstead's going to leave, but still, that seems uh, – yeah, that's a good point. Now, interesting to see the Chiefs. That's a trade-up, right, for Jamison Williams? Yeah. Going to get that speed-wide receiver. Uh, that would be so terrifying. would make sense, yeah. But – Back to the tackles. I mean, if you have three wide receivers going in the top 11 and you have a quarterback going in the top 10, inevitably someone's going to drop. And here it's the offensive tackles, which is the scenario to me more likely because I don't see the New York teams going as O-line heavy as everyone mocks them to be, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, And I will add, like, obviously not upset about the Russell Wilson trade, but seeing Evan Neal go at number nine, it oh, would yeah. it would have been yeah. a lot of fun oh, to have yeah. the number nine pick and have a chance at Evan Neal there. Well, oh, him, you have Sauce Gardner there, Stingley's mm-hmm. there, Cross is there. I mean, Lloyd, I, Cross, right? We, yeah, a lot of blue chippers. What could have been? Yeah, we, are we uh, on to Stingley then? I think we're on to Stingley. Yeah, let's do it. So big notes, right? That he he ran a four three nine at the pro day. There's the Dane Brugler stuff that he actually ran a 444 is what they're calling it. It's whatever. Um, but in general, a, a good it's a good pro day for Derek Singley, a, a guy who might have been better off not running, in my opinion, yeah. beforehand. I think this all worked out for him. Um, but but 444 is what Dane Brugler has on the 40 time. Uh three cone at six nine eight, vertical 38 and a half, broad jump 10-2. It surprises me that he's only six foot, a little over six foot and 188 pounds, though. I think that more than anything might be what stands out. Yeah, I think that's, <clears throat> of course, the, the numbers are great in terms of testing, but I think that's probably the biggest takeaway other than that is that he is going to be coming in a little bit small. Um, you look at some of the guys, I mean, Sauce Gardner, Elam, uh, there's some long guys at corner and Stingley isn't really going to fit into that profile. Um, yeah. But here we are. We're talking about him back in the top 15, maybe top 10, uh, depending on, you know, how it all shakes out. Uh, but good for him. I mean, it's, it's good to see him back. It's, I don't know. I still feel a bit shaky on it just because what he get three games last year, really only played UCLA. And then he had two small school games at a conference. Uh, 2020 wasn't great either. So you're still having to dig man back to 2019 tape for good football. Um, I don't know. It's tough. It's elite it's so football, tough. though. Um, it is elite. Yeah, honestly, the thing that probably stands out most to me is the 30-inch arms. So you're really 
really not getting ideal length. Um, but like, you know, we see it. He's got the fluidity, ball skills, uh, quick reactions, could certainly be a dominant corner and more of a zone heavy um, scheme, you know, thinking like a, a Ron Rivera, Lovey Smith um, cover two, right? Or, or you, you can obviously trust them in more man situations, but like so many of these guys, there's always the caveat of what do we do against those jumbo wideouts, the Drake Londons of the world in the AFC West, Devontae Adams, Mike Williams. Those are major concerns, major handfuls. And it's a big advantage that guys like Pat Sertan have over most corners. Um, you know, when you're built more like 6'2", and you you can jump out the building and really handle that with supreme technique. Yeah. Do we profile him more as a slot now with these kind of size numbers? I mean, I know he never really played there. He was almost exclusively on the outside, but with that size, um, you know, like you said, if you're going up against DK Metcalf, Derek Stingley, I mean, it'd be a fun battle. I'd love to watch it, but I think I'm going to edge Metcalf like what, seven out of 10 times in that matchup. I think, I think it, when you come across a matchup like that, then you have to kind of reconsider where you put him like for that week. And, and odds are it's just like on the other side of the field because they probably won't have two receivers. I mean, like the DK Metcalf right. example, you just put him on Tyler Lockett and feel good about it. Right. But I don't love the idea of him in the slot, mostly because I feel like it wastes that speed. You kind of want him running downfield. And, you know, it's just so tough with him because it, it's so easy to... I mean, first of all, what are we saying right now is that you can't necessarily just put him on the number one receiver every week. And what does that mean for the value of a cornerback? Like, and Dre seems to have some thoughts about that, but I mean, maybe he does prove that he's, he's like the leaper or whatever can jump up and make those plays. And in that case, I guess things change, but it's just so rare. I feel like that you have a cornerback that has a highlight reel that looks like the highlight reel he put together in 2019. Like all the plays that he made, just like going up in the air, knocking balls away, picking off passes. It just, it's, it's really special stuff but you just haven't seen it in so long. And he comes in a little bit undersized. I don't know. I mean, it also, this is a cornerback class that is pretty undersized. Like there's, there's a lot of them that are six foot or five eleven, right. and not a lot of those really big, like six, two, six, three. So I guess that probably helps too. And more than anything, maybe that means that you should emphasize getting a Drake London so that you force opponents to have these conversations because corners are so small now. Yeah. That's a good point. I, I was just the only pushback I would give is like once you get into the elite of the elite NFL wide receivers, there aren't a ton of dudes who can cover those guys. Well. True. Right. Yeah. Um, but with, so, with what pick do you expect to have one of those guys though? Like, yeah, like if you take one in the top five, you say like, yeah, we have somebody who can shut down everybody top 10, like top 15. Cause this is the Ranger Stingley supposed to go. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, I, like Tariq Woolen doesn't go in this mock draft, and I I don't right. know how a dude who's that long yeah. is getting passed on when his numbers are freakier than any of these top corners. Mm -hmm. He'd be a great Bronco. So how how about a maybe like a ceiling for Stingley, like a Brent Grimes type ish? I mean, a smaller cornerback, but he can kind of match up man to man wise, and you know, every now and then he's gonna throw up that one hand and make a spectacular interception. But I don't like. He got mossed every now and then. I remember Brent Grimes struggled against the bigger guys. So, I would throw out bigger, healthy Jason Verrett. 
Okay. Who I think might be a pretty special career with what we saw early at the Chargers and even last year when healthy with the Niners. Um, but I mean, that where's Jason Verrett at his best in the slot? Mm-hmm. Um, so it does kind of play into that. And I mean, the other comps are more like cover two guys, you know, like Peanut Tillman or like Josh Norman. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think the, the questions of like ultimate value while I did push back a little there, that those are, those are correct questions to raise here. He's going to be so fun to watch regardless of like where he ends up seeing what happens because he's one of those guys who could have like the, the uh, Trayvon Diggs type of big pick season early on, or he could just be like, he could be an Eli Apple and you could totally see that coming too. a guy who just kind of gets torched sometimes. That's basically 2019 to 2020 what he was. In 2019, he was a pick machine, PBU machine, and then 2020, he was just letting everything over the top. So Yeah, and I will say, we get maybe a little too caught up in, like, what are the expectations for a top five pick, top ten pick? Mm -hmm. Like, I think we can all agree, regardless of value and nitpicky stuff that are fun conversations for us on this pod, things work out for him even like 85 percentile workout this is a dude who once his rookie contracts up is looking to make 12 plus million a year Mm -hmm. right at a premium position so that is a guy that warrants consideration in the top 10 period and you have these conversations about like oh is he too small to play outside i mean ronald darby is an inch shorter and five pounds heavier yes like that's just how corners kind of are at this point yes um Here's here's my last question. So in my mind, somebody like Derek Stingley would fit really well with the Pat Sertan. You know, you have your big guy, but then you just have kind of the speedy other guy opposite him. If you were trying to look for in this draft who you think would really pair well with Sertan, mm-hmm. where would you go? What a great question. This is the who do you pair with Champ Bailey question. Because Champ, it was always like, look, we're just not going to find another lockdown corner. So let's find that feisty, competitive guy. Darren Williams was always the ideal. Mm. And of course, tragic loss and tragic for football reasons as well, because he really seemed like the perfect parent. But Darren Williams, smaller, feistier, is going to, he'll give up some, but he'll get you back on some as well, right? And, mm-hmm. and that is where Stingley feels like exactly that guy. He'll take some gambles, get burnt a little, but he'll get you back as well. And honestly, Ronald Darby is not that that's how I would describe Ronald Darby in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, my one complaint with Darby would just be that he didn't have the interceptions, you know, like, I feel mm-hmm. like if you're going to be the guy, if, if you're across from the lockdown guy, you're getting targeted and targeted, targeted, targeted. Like you want somebody who can be a playmaker like Stingley. And if Darby turns out to just come down with, two, three interceptions this season, all of a sudden I feel like that's a, that's a great fit. And to go back to that McShay mock real quick, Roger McCreary going like 15 to 20 picks above the Broncos is is pretty concerning because he's a guy that I would have circled at 64. I just thought he kind of like Stingley too. He's not, not necessarily the biggest corner. I think he measured in around that five eleven, kind of one ninety range. Um, but McCreary is just so smooth technique wise. Um, and not a burner, but I was just impressed with how he kept up with Jameson in the game last year. Uh, I mentioned it also. He has a clip from 2019 where he locked up Jamar Chase pretty good, too. Um, so, if man, if he made it to 64, that you got to pull the trigger, in my opinion. 
if we're talking types though McCreary is exactly what we're talking about he mm. like to a T do you disagree Henry do you have a name you'd throw out no I think that, that those are about right you know you're always tempted just to get another one like the idea of like a, an Ahmad Gardner if that was possible still then the Gardner Sertan combo is something where you could just say like maybe they just lock everybody down but yeah I do think that you'd probably more realistically look for somebody who is that I mean about six feet tall crazy fast hopefully he can jump hopefully he plays the ball well and you know Roger McCreary is probably that guy I think Trent McDuffie could be that guy depending on where he ends up yeah um but yeah I mean Stingley is pretty close to the definition of that um and you mentioned a length deficient uh corner class that's really what makes Sauce Gardner stand out you know yeah three Yep. Um, he has everything. Yep. Well, in two, man. Yep. And Kobe Bryant, guys like uh, Zion McCollum out of uh, Sam Houston State, those guys are massive compared to everyone else. Yeah. And it doesn't hurt that Kobe Bryant is used to playing that role, being opposite the yep. lockdown guy yep. who steals other roles, like being the guy who kind of yeah. does get the number two assignment. I, I like the idea of that. Um, it's a big selling point to me for sure. Before we get into. All these linemen, we've got a lot of linemen to talk about today. Want to remind you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook, the presenting sponsor of this podcast. Yes, uh, DraftKings is incredible. I uh, I actually have gone a little bit cold. I had I had a great night um, with the Jokic thirty five and sixteen. Mm-hmm. I had I had him getting thirty five plus oh, points and sixteen plus rebounds at plus seven fifty, well and he wound up exactly thirty five and sixteen. So that was great. great. Um, great. but the Masters. I guess I, if Sun, mm. Sung J M can make a run today, I'm going to be in really good shape. It's just so hard with Scotty Scheffler being kind of like prohibitively at the top. You know, I, I still, I, I was going to pick another golfer yesterday, another one today. It just right now there's no value. And so I've, I've kind of backed off and I'm just praying on Sung J M. But the point is we've got a big baseball season ahead. There's so much money to be made. You guys should jump in. There's, there's awesome props when it comes to baseball. I feel like, the betting betting strikeouts is one of my favorite bets mm-hmm. in all of sports because mm-hmm. uh, you can just hit it so easy. Like Kyle Freeland on opening day just immediately had uh, had his over three and a half. Like it's the second inning I think he got it. Um, also, oh wait, wrong amazing one. draft go. props as well, Henry. I mean Garrett yeah. Wilson fourth overall McShay's mock. You can get an under ten oh five at minus one fifteen. Stingley Ooh. we just talked about that's set at ten and a half. Same with Drake London. I think we're all team. Drake London goes in the top 10. You get him under 10 and a half at minus 110. Jermaine Johnson stock was hot for a minute, maybe slowed down a bit as it should could still get him at nine and a half. You take that over at plus 110. Lots of value for our draft heads, our draft Knicks like you and I and the Jakester. Yeah, I the the the. Jermaine Johnson to the Broncos mock draft was my least favorite of every mock oh, yeah. draft oh, yeah. during the, the Broncos number nine pick era. Um, that was brutal. That that's an old man. That's an old man. But uh, right now you guys can sign up, bet $5 on any team to win in the NBA playoffs and you'll Whoa. get $150 in free bets instantly. You get that win Sick. no matter what. Uh, so make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR and bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the play-in tournament. Get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Also, Breckenridge Brewery. um, We love their seltzers. They're very good. They have like the normal seltzers. They have the, uh, the lemonade seltzers. And you really can't go wrong. It's 2022. Nobody's drinking beer anymore. So make sure that you get your hands on Breckenridge's seltzers because even though basically every beer company has come out with their own, the good company hard seltzers are the best ones. Uh, You can pick them up basically anywhere if you're in Colorado. If you're not in Colorado, though, then make sure you're using the Breckenridge beer locator. It works for seltzers, too. Uh, You just put the zip code in and then click on what you're looking for, what beer, what seltzer you're going after. And then it'll tell you exactly where you can pick it up. All the bars, all the liquor stores, all the grocery stores. It's an awesome tool from an awesome company that makes awesome drinks. So make sure that you're drinking Breckenridge brews because they are the best that you can get your hands on. All right. Uh, let's start with the, let's start with the defensive line. There he is. Yeah, let's I, go. I feel like the defensive line, just because I have a feeling that this one might take just a minute longer. And mm. if we have to feel the heat at the end, I don't want to have to cut this one short. Um, let's start with the top fives and we can just run through these really fast. Arguably you, the bigger need for the Broncos too, right? As opposed to the right. interior offensive line. So just definitely start with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Top five starting from five. Sure. Jake, go. All right. I've got my guy, uh, number five, Travis Jones at a UConn. Ooh, um, love that. A guy love that. that Played really well at the Senior Bowl. Um, was actually really impressive um, in terms of one-on-ones. Uh, he, him and Cole Strange was not even a match. Uh, he just completely unpants Cole Strange whenever they went a- a- against each other. Okay, um, but he did. He did. <laughs> it was. It was pretty bad, honestly. Um, yeah, it wasn't. Good. You know, not to. We'll get to Cole Strange a bit later, but um, my guy Travis Jones, pretty disruptive. Uh, I mean, on a UConn team that. I mean, man, one of the worst college football teams, I mean, division one, division two, anything, Um, but he was kind of a bright spot for them. Shows some pass rush ability. I like his hands. He's not the best first step player, but I think he's got enough strength uh, to really push the pocket from interior. Um, He's more of a, I don't want to say he's a nose tackle, but he's kind of in that one to three technique range, you know? Yeah. He's not going to, he's not going to offer you very much versatility up and down the line. Mm. Um, but yeah, he was just fun to watch. Um, probably the first I've watched UConn football in about, I don't know, four years. <laughs> For real. Yeah. He was yeah. my number five too. He's just such a big guy. He's just one of those mm-hmm. cloggers. And, and because Massive. of that, I think there's just a level of safety that comes with that. Um, again, like if you're looking for a pass rusher, probably not your guy. Although again, like he's he made a couple plays and also like when you're, the idea of like lining up in a nickel defense, especially if you want to go light at linebacker, play, play a safety in there or something, you could do a lot worse than somebody that's this big who provides so much clogging ability in the run game who, who knows, like maybe he can get in the backfield as well. So like not an ideal pass rusher, I don't think, although like you get push in the pocket, whatever that could help tee him up for whoever else, but just the, the, the size and the strength, I think, it's just so easy to see him lining up and just kind of like like next to a Mike Purcell. It would just free up those linebackers to make so many plays in behind him. Um, because of that, I just think it's a pretty safe option, and uh, he's my number five as well. 
he's massive heavy 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 hands Mm -hmm. um and absolutely massive i have more positional concerns than it sounds like you guys do i think he's going to be pretty limited to a two down player and a one or zero technique um but yeah he sneaks into my top five he's fifth he's one of two nose tackles to make it in the top five um yeah he's just so big that um two gapping and his ability like in a three four to free up the four behind him is really going to be massive you know um and yeah he's risen up a lot senior bowl was good um maybe not dominant he's actually ranked ahead of some guys who i thought dominated more but what can you do who's your number four who's your five? or no who's your five yeah, he's my five he's my five okay okay Okay, cool. So consensus at five, yes. Consensus think, number five. I don't think we'll have uh, consensus at four. Uh, yeah, four, I went Perry on Winfrey. Um, probably Great. overall the most impressive defensive lineman from the Senior Bowl. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. Yeah, he was very disruptive. Uh, has a nice first step, which I really like about him. Um, he's got some pass rush uh, potential. Um, hands aren't the best at this point, but he does have some moves there. Uh, he's got some versatility along the line too. You can kind of slide him down to the three or five tech. Uh, but I think, you know, playing that one to three area is probably where he's going to be best suited. I mean, six, four, three, oh, three. Um, maybe that's not, I don't know if that's an accurate, uh, measurement actually, but, um, you know, he's on the, he's not as big as, uh, some of these nose tackle guys, Travis Jones or so. Um, but he can play inside played well against the interior guys at the senior bowl. Um, Good on run defense, has a motor, can chase down plays. I liked him a lot. I liked him a lot, too. He's also my number four. I wanted to put him up higher, but I just we'll, – we'll, we'll get to those guys when we get there. It's just so hard. There's too much separation, but I like the upside. Um, I, I think with that build, if he can keep can kind of growing as a pass rusher – I mean, he already had five and a half sacks last year. I think that he could be one of those interior guys who's really disruptive in the passing game – and that just sets up your pass yeah. rush so well. Again, though, there's just other guys in front of him who are more proven, and, and that's why he's number four and not higher for me. Yeah, he beasted at the senior bowl, and that's a big selling point for him because uh, at Oklahoma, he was kind of stuck as their nose tackle in the middle of that front and definitely out of position. His best ability is going to be you know, a strength to power and ability to penetrate on the inside. So seeing him more in that natural role really made some lights go off for a lot of scouts as to what the potential could be he's also a senior coming from the juco ranks so you're just going to have some natural rawness um and you're gambling on tools he misses out for me um similar to the offensive tackle uh episode we're going to have a lot of discussions where i'm kind of sticking hybrid guys in here i'll see a lot of zachary carter um or zachary is it just zachary it might just be Zachary. So. I would guess. There you go. So I'll stop calling him Zachary. That's wow. <laughs> uh, if I can use my one F bomb of the episode, that's fucking wild. I've been doing. like literally for four years, guys, four fucking years. So, oh, oh okay. Uh, I'll pay a fine on the second. You went over. Okay. I went, went over. over. I went over. I'll pay a fine. I had the over for what it's worth. Oh, yeah, for what it's worth. DraftKings Sportsbook, baby. Um, I'm putting Logan Hall in my fourth spot. Houston. Okay. I think he's a much more natural interior guy. He's in the two seventies as well. Frankie that could be making that argument for Trayvon Walker. Um, I don't, I just don't think he's a stand-up edge. Um, right. and yeah, he's a D end for sure. 
probably more of a 4-3-D end, but I think he might be better suited to just put on eight pounds oh. and become like a 3-4-D a end. Is that even the scheme the Broncos will be running anymore? Probably not. Um, but look, I think his ability to kind of be a hybrid, play a little DN, move in as that three technique on the inside on passing downs and potentially just put on more weight and be that dude has me more intrigued. Um, so I'm going to put him at four. That's where Logan Hall gets me excited. I don't he mind that. He's so long. so excited as an edge. Yeah, he's long. he's long. Like the idea of just those really long interior guys is a lot of fun. I see a lot of Robert and Kandiche potential in him. Okay. Uh, college tape we're, we're talking. Kind of similar to uh, the guy last year out of Houston, right? Peyton Turner. Yep. He was yep. like the similar type of player. Hell yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, his body looks a little more natural. Turner had like the highest hips. God. When your hips are a little too high or too low, geez, that stands out. Uh, all right. Gravity. I bet you we have a consensor top three. Yeah, I think I th- we do. I think maybe we do. not in the order, but I bet we have a consensus top three. So, three Z's. Uh, DeMarvin Leal, yes. Texas A&M. Yes. Yeah. Um, Hank? Extremely versatile. Five-star recruit yeah. uh, out of Texas. Um, can play some edge. I don't think you want him there, though. I mean, he's exactly. fine there. Exactly. But, uh, you know, that's that's where his value lies, right? You can kind of play him three all the way down to the edge. If you have mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. Um, just a great uh, addition to almost any defensive rotation, defensive line rotation yeah. uh, because of that um, pass rushing, I thought was okay. Uh, run defending was really what the standout area, I think for me, um, you know, just moves really well for his size. Uh, the motor was there. Uh, he has those chase downs where he's like 10, 20 yards behind the play and just kind of, keeps it moving um yeah man that versatility that's what sold me really that's just a valuable piece to have uh can do a lot of things with your defense with that yeah i've got i've got Devonte wyatt is my three um and it was close i i had a really tough time knocking him down to three um but he's just old like he's 24 going into the draft and with leal being Oof. 21 i i would honestly i was searching for a reason to to put leal in front but I was able to find one because I think Leal's a freak. Um, I guess I might as well get those thoughts out now um, since we're talking about, but I mean, just like you said, five-star prospect, an interior rusher who has eight and a half sacks in the sec. He's only 21. Like this is just one of those freaks to me that I don't know why he's dropping so far down in these mocks. Like I still look at DeMarvin Leal and say like, he should be probably definitely a first rounder, but, probably at least pushing the top half of the first round again, like eight and a half sacks. He he can line up anywhere. He's doing most of that from the interior though. Like just the mobility, when you run him on those little stunts up front, the ability to just blow right by guys anyway, I think, I think he's going to be a really good player. Yeah. With his upside as an interior pass rusher, I don't see, which I mean, to me is like short of being a, a franchise quarterback, like, top two, three most valuable commodities mm-hmm. um, right. traits rather that you can acquire in, in the NFL that, that really pushes him up. I do think maybe this conversation and how harsh we are on Leal changes if the Broncos are still at nine and not 64. Cause at 64, right. he feels like an all time steal at nine. It feels mm-hmm. like, man, I wish he'd had that standout 
final year because he kind of blew it, man. I mean, this no one's lost more draft positions than this guy, probably. That is true. But still, eight and a half sacks. I'm yeah, with you. Um, I'm with you. Watching it against, against like Alabama was kind of, I don't, I don't want to say disappointing, but I just expected more out of him. Yep. Uh, you yep. know, going up against uh, Evan Neal and stuff like that. I just, mm-hmm. I expected more from those matchups, and I just didn't yep. quite get it. Yep. But okay. I mean, you see the potential, though. I mean, this is a guy. I mean, Hank mentioned it. We we were talking about him what top fifteen uh, during the season. Like he was way up there. Oh, yeah. Um, and. I guess part of the slide I maybe has to do with some of the production, but um, you know, Texas A&M was, I don't want to say they were a train wreck, but they weren't very good really. Um, I mean, he was one of their best players and yeah. they just kind of lacked in other departments. Yeah. I think, I mean, what you guys have said, I, more consensus first rounder than, uh, than like, Oh, I've got some real doubts. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, with all these other gambles we're willing to make on upside, I don't understand why Leal is all of a sudden not. And right. maybe there's something we're missing on the off field or medical, you know, that that's entirely possible. Um, number two, Zs. Uh, Devontae Wyatt out of Georgia. Wow. Um, man, if it wasn't for Jordan Davis, we'll get to him, but Devontae Wyatt is so disruptive. Um, just seemed to be able to penetrate at ease. Um, yeah. He's just the way he moves his body um, and size is just impressive. There's plays, you know, where he's chasing down Bryce Young um, and Will Levis from behind where he's, I mean, it's really impressive just to watch a guy that big with that motor uh, kind of run him down. Uh, he's got the pass rush versatility. Uh, you can kind of move him up and down the line. I mean, if it weren't for Jordan Davis, we'd be talking about Devontae White a lot more. And I think Devontae White would kind of be up in that top 15 range. I mean, he still might be, actually. Yeah. Um, but it's just crazy that Georgia had these guys. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. I, I felt he was undervalued um, from the get, man. Like, we, I was talking about it at the end of last year, at the beginning of this year. And I think what you what you broke down, I mean, we're talking about one of the top interior pass rushing prospects to come out in the draft of the last four or five years especially since there's kind of been a a lack of real high-end talent recently um to me he is a top 15 maybe even top 12 talent and to me why it has really like consolidated himself as the standout interior defensive lineman of the class he's 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 become one of my pound the table guys so he's first for me, but I, I figured we might as well just okay. iron out that conversation on him now. Are you concerned I mean, about him being 24? Sure. Sure. It's but, something that has to be taken into consideration. You have to. Yeah, you can't yeah. just ignore that. No, 100%. I, I think there's some like Cam Jordan, Fletcher Cox to him, though. Like, hmm. So if I get two less years than I would have if he came out of 22 – I'm kind of willing to accept that. Like those guys win you Super Bowls. Those guys win you division mm-hmm. titles. Those guys are like, I mean, Aaron Donald just went like, look at all the Super Bowl winners of the last decade. 80% of them have like rare special interior defensive linemen. Um, and yeah, I, I think he's, he, I think he's one of those dudes. I think we've had fewer guys like that come out recently which makes his pass rush trait a little more rare, a little more standout too. Okay. Yeah. It just, I've, again, like he, I, I really like him for sure. Mm-hmm. I just have Leal in front because 
I just look at Lee Allen and think, where would he be if he had if he was playing college football three point. years from now? It's a yeah. great point. If right, if you're just going all in on like buying Leal's upside profile, it's a great point. Mm-hmm. And but at I, the same time, like if you're the Chiefs, you're like, yeah, we've got Chris Jones right there. Let's pair him with Devontae Wyatt, and then we'll just be good to go right away. I that's easy to see too. Right. And I mean, with all the praise I just gave to Wyatt and Jake gave to Wyatt's traits, you're absolutely right, Henry. I think it it's not even an argument that the Marvin Leal is the highest upside prospect of this group, which when you look at the combine numbers for these three, almost seems absurd, right? Because mm-hmm. Leal was the one who underwhelmed. Wyatt and Jordan Davis are the like off-the-chart RASs that you've never seen um, and that's where we should get to Jordan Davis for both of you, the number one guy, right? For me, number two, um, if you don't mind, I'd start the discussion on Jordan Davis since I'm the yeah, lowest. Go for it. I feel he could be just as transcendent, a special talent as what we've talked about with those other two guys. And obviously athleticism isn't an issue, it really comes down to how many snaps can you play? And I almost think like if instead of 20 snaps a game, it's all going to come down to stamina, but stamina is also a matter of being able to dose yourself, right. And understand when you need to go hundred percent, when you need to save yourself for 85, mm-hmm. if you can get five snaps a game of Jordan Davis going hundred percent, but instead of 20, I can add 25 30 at 85 percent where he's doing that justin smith thing i've talked about a million times on this pod of just using that length and strength to take up two offensive linemen to free up guys like alden smith behind you jordan davis can do that at 85 percent way better than justin smith ever did it because he is a a literal mountain Mm -hmm. um then i think you might be talking of a hall of famer my concern is in the modern NFL, he becomes almost a gadget gimmick player. Um, and even the Vita Vea comps are a little off because length size wise, we are talking about different human beings. Like when you are six, five with those arms, like that is a much harder, heavier weight to carry than Vita Vea. Who's just a bowling ball. It's all packed into the frame. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my only concern, but, uh, again, I think he's a top 20 talent in this class, probably higher than that. And and the upside off the charts. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, just pulling up, uh, the game book from the Super Bowl real quick and just looking at snaps played, um, by, uh, defensive tackles and nose tackles. I mean, you're getting into the forties and fifties. So it's something that he's going to have to step up in that department there's no there's no way around it he's got to play more but i keep going back man i mean the combine this guy ran a 478 jumped 123 inches in the broad 32 in the vertical just fast and explosive at 66 340 and i know that's what everyone gets held up about he only played 20 25 snaps a game at georgia i still refuse to believe that a guy that put up these numbers could only give you 20 to 25 snaps i just think it was right Right. A product of Georgia being Georgia in twenty twenty, and they had an absolutely stacked defense where they could afford. They don't. They didn't need Jordan Davis out there. As as kind of bad as that sounds for Jordan Davis's stock, 
they didn't need him out there on every first, second down, every short yardage uh, kind of play because they had they had Devontae Wyatt. They could just throw in, you know, the sophomores and juniors that are sitting there too. Oh, yeah. Um, they're, I mean, their third defensive tackle is going to be a, a top five pick next year. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jermaine Johnson had to transfer out of there, and he's mm-hmm. he, according to most mocks and bookmakers, will be drafted ahead of both Wyatt and Jordan Davis, as insane as that is. Um, couldn't even make like their rotation essentially, you know, um, which is funny how that, that shit's talked about all the time with Jamison Williams as a wide receiver at Ohio state, never right. talked about with Jermaine Johnson as a, as a negative. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, I, especially the twin, like you're telling me he couldn't have given you 30 more snaps. And again, it doesn't need to be like 30 snaps of all out running a four, seven, like he's six, six, three forty, just Having that guy on the field, like if he runs a 410, that's going to be just fine on most snaps. Trust me, um, because he's well, just a presence. He, he, can, he can take plays off while being on the field just because of how big he is and just commanding 100%. two blockers. You know what I mean? You can just lean yes. on two blockers, take up a gap. Um, now you only have three offensive linemen and everyone else to work with and to block a run or pass protection. Just having him on the field, even if he's not giving it uh, 100% in the motor department on a given play, I don't think that's necessarily, I mean, it is a negative, of course, I guess, because you do want guys going balls to the wall as often as they can. But if he can take a playoff and just take up a double team, that's pretty valuable, I think. Agreed. He's just so safe is is the other part. Where it's just like, like worst case scenario, yeah, you've got this guy who, at the very least can be your massive nose tackle. One of the best in the league, you would think for those 20 snaps, which is, is that worth a top 15 pick? No, but that's why you talk about all the upside and the way he's able to move. And the, the upside is a pass rusher in particular. I, yeah, he's, he's just the freakiest to me. And for that reason, I, I have to have him number one. Yeah, I'm with you, man. He's he's crazy. I think he's been one of my favorite players all year, and you know he's kind of seen a stock rebound recently. But uh, not too long ago, we were talking about him maybe you know back into the first, potentially falling out of the first. And it's for me at least, it feels good to see him kind of going back up to where he belongs because I think this is just a an impact player, and whoever adds him to their football team is going to get better. Completely agree. All right. Um, let's see. We, uh, we went a little long there on those top fives. That was not fast in any way. Naughty, naughty. Yep. So, uh, what, what do we have to say about the rest of this defensive line class? First of all, before we get into specifics, how deep do you think this class is? Uh, I, yeah. I wasn't a big fan. <laughs> there's your answer. Yeah, <laughs> there's your answer. <laughs> um, it's not great. Hank. It's not great. Uh, that's an all timer, Jake. Well done by you. Uh, now, intriguing guys guys who we've talked about over the years there's another Ogbanya out of ucla so we shall stand hassel garrett zachary carter all feel like guys we've been talking about for like literally a million years um Mio what about Farrell. matthew butler did you watch him dre tennessee mm. matthew butler no but i've been he seeing was, the hype yeah he was one of the guys that i watched that of the these like kind of lesser group that i think stood out to me um, something interesting to note is he was, he's kind of a super senior, uh, from the COVID eligibility, right? 
Mm-hmm. And uh, he, so he played, I, I don't know, I don't have the school pulled up, but he played in the spring, transferred to Tennessee and played in the fall. He basically played two seasons back to back. But I, oh, well, I thought that electric. was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I just thought he had a good motor, uh, nice hands, uh, can kind of play him down the line and stuff. Um, yeah. To a lesser degree of these other guys. But if you want to find someone late, that's who I liked. I thought at the senior bowl, the only guy who would really give him Perry on Winfrey a run for his money as like MVP of the D line was Neil Farrell out of LSU. Um, dude's just a bowling ball, absolute beast. Um, and you know, he's one of these LSU guys. So the tape's going to be very up and down, wishy washy, inconsistent. Um, he'd be a, a guy I would really um, circle for the Broncos. And Fidarian Mathis out of Bama, yeah. a two-year starter, a guy who really started to come along as the year went on and kind of help, um, you know, in some of the some of those games where Bama was really like in some low-scoring battles, he uh, he had a much bigger role. I'll throw Jermaine Lole out there from Arizona State. I knew you were going to sure. throw him out there. <laughs> yeah, uh, the Pac-12 guys. That's my job here. Um, he, uh, I think he was hurt for most of this season. I could be wrong on that, but he, when, when healthy is one of the best run defenders in, in the PAC 12, I mean, probably the best run defending defensive lineman in the PAC 12, uh, just not, not the most mobile, not the biggest, but he gets off of blocks and he makes plays in the backfield. And again, like not, not much pass rush upside, but that's why we talk about him as like probably a day three type of guy. And I think that there's a need for that sort of thing for the Broncos, just guys who can stop the run, get to third downs. Um, and I think that he could fit pretty well. Um, I know we got to keep moving, but real quick, I wanted to ask this with Russell Wilson and with the offense kind of just being better this year, do you, uh, to Dre specifically, do you kind of uh, change what you're looking for in terms of interior defensive line? Do you look more so for pass rushing guys or maybe are you fine taking some of those uh, more run defending guys because you're more confident um, that you can, you know, shut down the run and kind of just hold back in the pass game with your secondary and uh, kind of work from there. Does that change at all? Do you think? A hundred percent. I think there is a greater emphasis on rushing the passer and being better on third down and trying to really shut opponents down when you're nursing a lead in the fourth and just being able to get after them. I think in general um, that every team in the AFC West who added offensive passing talent also added passing defense talent. And that has to be the point of emphasis here. hundred percent. Now it could also be someone that helps Draymond Jones and the edge rushers you have, and freeze up that space, right? But it's all with that in mind of like, how can we add to or help those pass rushers? Yeah, def- I totally agree. But at the same time, like you still do need run defenders. Like, and if you want to throw a fourth right. round pick at a guy who can stop the run, that's worth it for me. Yeah, but run defenders are less of a premium trait. So it's easier mm-hmm. to find. And when you are a team that's competing now, it's even easier to find because you can get those few remaining veteran players who can help in right. spot roles and are willing to take the veteran that's minimum true. to be on a contender. That's just what it counts with. Online. Let's do it. Let's do it real quick. Before we uh, talk about all these offensive linemen, want to remind you guys about 
Ripple. So the way what Ripple is, is it's this little packet that you rip the top off. You uh, you can put it in your water. You can, I think you can like put it in food too. You can put it in, I guess it doesn't have to be water. It could be like any drink. You can just put it straight on your tongue if you want to get really high really fast. Uh, because what it is, is a is an edible. And it's uh, it's a good one because I know there are a lot of people who get kind of worried about edibles because you don't really know what to expect. It feels like a commitment and kind of a gamble. With Ripple, you know what you're getting um, because it has been scientifically proven to be very, uh, very consistent, but also it hits you really fast. So it starts absorbing within 10 minutes. You can depend on a consistent experience every single time. It's flavorless. It's dissolvable. It's uh, it's just a great product. And it's a product that you can pick up at Colorado's premier dispensary. That's Light Shade with 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. Um, they actually just opened a new location. It's the Barnum location. And it's one block off of 6th and Federal. It is the biggest light shade store. It has specialty products that are not offered at other locations. And at every light shade dispensary, you can actually get in on these 420 specials, which are awesome. They've got five of their best-selling products, which will be buy one, get one for a dollar from April 20th through April 26th. They offer something for everyone from the casual consumer to the connoisseur. So make sure that you are taking advantage of the code DNVR, which will get you 25% off all non-sale items. All you got to do is shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or just go straight to a Lightshade location near you. Boom. All right. Uh, so getting into these interior offensive linemen, we're already going kind of long. This time we're actually going to go through these fast. Jake, what's your number five? Um, Darian Kennard uh, played right tackle at Kentucky. Um was fine there. I just think that he's a guy that works better with the shorter angles, moving him inside. Um, yeah, he's got the power. Uh, that's kind of what made that decision really easy. Honestly, uh, just didn't really have it at tackle, and just with the power and shorter angles of playing inside, I think he could be a decent player. I think so too. And he missed my top five, but I tried yeah. really hard to get him in. And he's uh, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about the tackles. He's just so aggressive. Like he almost looks yeah. like a UFC fighter out there. And I just like the idea of moving him inside and not having to worry so much about those edges. I th- he might be just a little bit long. Like he might, he might be a little bit top heavy, almost not top heavy. That's not fair, but not just one of those bowling ball guards who no, can just get consistent push. But I think he's just a good enough fighter that the transition from tackle to guard will be just fine for him. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Um, is that your fifth too, Henry? No, he was outside my top five. My number oh, five, right. uh, Mine is Jamari Salier. It was a tough one for nice. me. Um, he's another one I wanted to get up higher. I'm not sure he's a great fit for the Broncos. The, the just so big, just yeah. so big. Yeah. Uh, yeah. six three three twenty five, so strong. Um, I again, I, I like him better in like a gap scheme than than what the Broncos run. That's just the point. physicality, the the meanness, and again. I, I don't want to get into like the conference bias, but the fact that he's going up against these SEC defenses and performing at a high level through the college football playoff, even after that, like because of that, I just feel a little bit safer with him than I do with some of the other prospects. I love him. Would you have I, I think he's a, <clears throat> he's a poor man's Ike uh, McQuanu, but I'm actually going to take his uh, teammate, Justin Schaefer at five. He was playing left guard. So that was that dominant left side of the line mm-hmm. for Georgia. Um, 
mobile still brings a lot of strength. Um, just a guy you can lean on, very efficient. I don't know how some of these places have like Marquise Hayes, who was on a terrible Oklahoma line, or Cole Strange, who I love, that's just much more of a small school guy, or Sean Ryan out of UCLA, who I really wonder about the strength game. Um, Schaefer was just a beast. You watch that Georgia offense, and it was him and Salier dominating on a consistent basis with the tight end, really opening everything off. Um, the guy Bowers. Exactly. I think um, he's one of the best run blockers in this draft, and uh, he has everything to succeed as a, as a pass blocker as well. I'll keep it moving at four. I also had Jamari Salier, um, again, Same kind of with Kennard. I just thought that he was more suited to play inside with the shorter angles where he can just let yeah. the power shine. I'd still take him at, at tackle and try him, especially right tackle, but he's definitely a better fit at guard, and he's my fourth as well. I think you guys kind of have described him well. Kind of Dalton Reisner-ish, right, with that versatility. I mean, if you need to get a game out of him at tackle, you could throw him yeah. there, um, but I definitely think better suited for interior line play than on the edges. Agreed, and versatility is definitely a strength for all my top four, um, with Sally are included in that, yeah. My, my number four is Sean Ryan from UCLA. Nice. He uh, played tackle there, probably a guard in the NFL. Um, Big-time recruit, tall. first of all. First, yeah, yeah big-time recruit, in part because he's tall. He's thick, too. I th- what is he? He's 6'5", 325, another one of those guys. And, again, it don't. I honestly don't love the idea of a tackle moving to guard and not having a whole bunch of tape on him at guard. But, I mean, the versatility, like Dre said, it's valuable. Um. I think that that he obviously would excel in terms of the pass blocking. I think just the for for a team that would want to run something kind of one of those spread offenses, you could see him fitting well with the Chiefs, I think. One of those sorts of teams where you're in shotgun a lot. Somebody I think could handle those interior pass rushers. Um strong, I think quick out of his stance. Um I uh yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think Sean Ryan top 4. He just feels a little, almost too long for me to play guard. That's a hangup of mine sometimes, but I definitely see him. Um, I thought there was some intriguing upside for him to stay at tackle. I could definitely see him work at guard and be a bit Graham Glasgow-y, you know, more of a technician, good balance, good in pass pro, just reliable. Maybe not a star, but again, like a 10 million per year type of deal. So like, that's that's a guy that was worth top Pretty five at his position. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Keep it moving. Um, three for you, Jake. Three. I had a Kenyon Green. Um, wow. Played tackle a lot out of Texas A and M. Yeah. Um, I I felt kind of conflicted by him. I it sometimes I wondered if he was long enough. He does have the length, um, but I just think that his body type too a bit more uh, kind of compact. I guess you would say as compact as you can be at 6'4", 323, I guess. Um, but it's more kind of like upper half stuff. Um, that's why I think not really as a tackle, more as an interior guy where he can kind of just, you put that more to his advantage and not have to worry about, um, you know, the anchor and just having to, you know, really reach around for those long guys around the edge. Um, another guy that just, I thought the power just fit more inside um, and that would be an easier impact for him. I love him. He was pretty high on my tackle rankings as well. Um, he's he's my top guy. 
I'm a massive believer in that upside and what he could do and, you know, a phone booth uh, consistently. He's definitely hella inconsistent, especially consistent yeah. compared to the top two guys, Zion Johnson and Tyler Lindenbaum. Spoiler alert. Um, but that's just the deal. Um, but God, his potential is ungodly. And he could basically play every every position on the O-line. He has played every position. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he does. He's my number one. Um, yeah. You guys basically covered it. But just the, the boxiness, but still with that size. Like like you were saying, like the compact, but still being <laughs> 6'4". Like another guy who you look at and it's like, yeah, there's a pass protecting guard. He's going to be incredible. On top of that, I think that he obviously has like the strength and the hands to, to get real push in the running game as well. Yeah. Real upside there for sure. Um, Zion Johnson's third for me. Great tape. Love the versatility has kind of been ahead of Lindenbaum most of the year left a little bit of a sour taste, which is weird because everyone was drooling over what he did at the senior bowl. Thought he fell off a little the last two days. That's okay. It's just one-on-one um pass pro stuff which like pretty irrelevant when you're going to play center or guard um and like often benefit from double teams or what have you uh I, I actually think he could survive 20 snaps a game at tackle and be just fine in the nfl um versatility is great intelligence is great lower half and whatever it's all great he checks off a ton of boxes Lindenbaum is just more of a downhill ass kicker and in the right scheme at the in the right scheme could really be um a special nasty dude so Mm -hmm. i had lindenbaum as my number three um size wisconsin tape what was that is it the size is it the wisconsin tape mostly the size i i think i think also just the playing center that that's not a position that's like super highly valued so that knocks him down behind a guy like Kenyon Green. Um, in the zone scheme, you could see him at guard easy breezy, though, right? You think so? Oh, yeah, he moves God. well enough. Okay. I'd almost prefer him. At, like, there's some zone blocking schemes where I'm like, let's put him at right guard and like run behind this dude 50 percent of the time. Like, this, huh, okay. that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. I guess I could change some things, but still, like, like you said, it's like it basically got to be running that zone stuff. Otherwise, you kind of yes. just be wasting him, I and mean, you're not you're not going to take him with the pick you need to to take him if you're not going to use him that way. Um, but I mean, Humphrey esque in that sense, totally. Mm-hmm. And and that's also what teams are running at this point, like so like, many, yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. And so I think that if we were talking like blanket, what's his value? That obviously props it up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd be a lot of fun with the Broncos. I don't I don't think there's any way for the Broncos to get him unless they really trade up, mm-hmm. but. You have that Cushenberry, Glasgow, whatever com- competition. If you just had a Linderbaum right there, boy, would that feel nice. Just the energy that he has, and the physicality, and just the meanness would be nice. He's great. Lloyd, for all the things that Lloyd does well, he's a little bit soft. So I've got the same top two. Um, Zion Johnson at one for me. He's just he's one of my favorite players in the class, I think. He's just so fun to watch. Uh, when the Eagles ran behind Zion, he the lanes were just wide open. He generates a tremendous amount of push on the line of scrimmage. Um, those double teams between him and Alec Lindstrom were just forget about it, man. They were moving whoever they wanted. Yeah. Um, I like his ability to anchor to in pass pro is something that really stood out. Um, just being able to you know hold his own and then kind of show off that strength of being able to redirect in the run game too. He looks for work. Um, he's got kind of a, I, I'd like him to be a bit more nasty, but he does have some nastiness in him. 
Um, then under Linderbaum, just a consistently good center, I think. Um, really athletic for the position. I, don't, I wouldn't exactly describe him as an imposing player, but he does have those instances where he can get um, – we can really out-leverage guys and mm-hmm. pancake them, but it doesn't happen too very often. Um, he's got – it looks like he's got good football intelligence, good eyes. He's always kind of uh, able to see pressure out of the peripherals and he's looking for work down the line um, moves. Well, I mean, he can snap the ball and pull. I think that's a pretty, uh, you know, uh, uh, wanted and needed trait, I guess um, it's yeah. not used too much, but it's something that, you know, if you want to slide him down to guard, you've got that on tape that you can uh, show. Um, but yeah. Zion. I love Zion man. he's awesome. They're yeah. all great. The... He was my number two, just edged out Linderbaum, um, size, and I just more polished. I feel like I just feel like he's yeah. he's very sharp at this point. Um, but you basically covered it. Yeah, and I think we're all with like Tyler Smith, maybe more of a tackle. And I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of exclusions. It's definitely a class who I feel like better about the depth than of this class group than I did of say um, the interior defensive lineman. Cause like Kennard didn't make our um, top fives, but you know, at 64, definitely worth considering could be kind of an ass kicker in that area. I don't think he went in McShay's mock, you know, Dylan Farum is a guy who's gotten a lot of hype out of Memphis. You watch him against Logan Hall in Houston. There's a ton to like um, we're all higher on the Georgia guys than most, so that's another like value guys who could be found later on. Cole Strange is a guy who's been mentioned on this pod in both, uh, you know, good and bad. But uh, the small school Chattanooga kid showed us a lot at the Senior Bowl, and I think there's a lot to build on there. Um, the other Tulsa kid, Chris Paul, is a uh, just oh I like him. Yeah, he's fun to watch. He's he's a real talent at guard. You mentioned Lindstrom. I mean, uh, a top yep. center prospect out of BC. And I mean, that's that's just kind of scraping the surface. It's not even thinking about guys like uh, Stuber out of um, Michigan who could be converted, but right. I think has some upside at, um, you know, remaining at tackle or guys like Thayer Munford, who we were talking about as a consideration in the top 40 at offensive tackle out of Ohio state at the beginning of the season now might be more of a guard, you know, um, it, it's deep, it's deep. And it's interesting. The Broncos have brought in a lot of guys and um, yeah, it seems like Lloyd Cush, while they like the guards, Lloyd Cushenberry is going to be pushed and you're going to give him more competition. Um, I would maybe just stick Grant Glam Glasgow there, but right. we'll see. It's going to be interesting. I like the idea of Alec Lindstrom. Like bringing yeah. him in, probably having him sit for a year, but then next year you have the big competition going into Lloyd's last year. I think that would be that that um, because it's it's just tough to see them taking a guard right now is the thing. Yes, and so that's why I think like if you just were to get a, a center who needs to sit for a year or two, whatever, let him ride the bench, then all of a sudden, when you do need a guard a couple years from now, because inevitably something's going to happen, you at least have something in something cooking right there. Yeah. I liked Lindstrom. Um, I thought he struggled against Clemson, the power of that D line, I think was just too much for him. Um, but you know, him and Zion, like I said, on the double teams, they cleaned up really well. I think he's a smart football player. 
Um, if he blows a block, it's not going to be due to him missing an assignment. It's going to be about ability, I think. Just strength and ability is not all quite there. I do like him, though. Um, another guy that I kind of like is Cam Jurgens, the center out of Nebraska. Yep. Um, another super athletic center, kind of yep. lacking again in like the strength and uh, technique. He will get way too far out over his toes, and he's kind of lunging all over the place sometimes. Um, but a super athletic player that, you know, you want to see him, I don't want to say add more weight, but you just want to see him get stronger. Um, and he's a kind of developmental O-line in that same vein that I would be intrigued by. Awesome. I think that uh, that wraps it up. We'll be back next week wrapping up our position previews. And uh, it's almost draft time. We're only a few weeks away from the draft, which is wild to think about. I know some of these guys are going to wind up being Broncos. And I know I'm excited to find out who uh, keep riding with us. We'll keep hearing about our thoughts about all these guys up until the draft. And uh, we'll have some cool stuff cooked up for the draft as well. So make sure that you are joining us now so that you are ready when the time comes. Uh, Thanks, you guys, for jumping on. And we will be back next week.
Mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.